It's out with the moo and in with the new because today's episode is sponsored by the Coconut Collab. Now, Lauren, you know I'm sceptical about plant-based alternatives, especially when it comes to my chocolate. I have to admit that the choc pots are my new guilty pleasure for a pick-me-up. But Jess, it isn't even guilty because they're 100 calories a pot, aren't they? It just gets better. (laughs) If you had to choose one of their products as your fave, what would it be? Okay, now hear me out, because natural yogurt might sound boring is my choice, but I basically use it in everything. It's the one with the little blue tree on the front, and it's amazing in smoothies for breakfast, curries for dinner, just so versatile. It's actually wild how creamy (laughs) the yogurts are, considering there isn't any dairy in them. Even my gym-going carnivore fiancé eats them. Honestly, I I barely got a look in when they sent us their new lemon-flavoured yogurts this summer. Everyone, get on board. Follow at Coconut Collab on Instagram to see more of the wonderful work they're doing. Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. Today we are joined by the one and only Lindsay Kelp, aka Queen of the Rom-Com. Today we'll be discussing her latest book, Lovely Do, as well as her long career in publishing, the romance genre and some of her previous books. a big welcome to the Book Crackers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. This is a treat. Love it. It's a bigger treat for me because I was such a fan of the I Heart series when I was a teenager. This is like, oh my (laughs) God, now Lindsay's on your podcast. Um, So we would love to chat about your whole writing career, which is is huge. Um, But we'll start by chatting about your latest book, Love Me Do. So please, can you tell our listeners what it's about? I should be able to because that is my job and I as you mentioned I've been doing this for a minute and this is the bit I'm worst at is trying to explain the book um so Love Me Do is a rom-com um and it is the story of a woman called Phoebe who is a British greeting cards copywriter who takes herself off to LA to visit her sister her sister lives in LA she takes herself off to visit on holiday for two weeks uh when she arrives not spoilers, just set up. Um, her sister tells her that she has to go away for work uh, for a few days. So Phoebe is on her own in LA and uh, over the, the course of the next couple of days meets her sister's hot carpenter neighbor, Ren, uh, and her sister's friend slash physical trainer slash dog walker slash activist slash model actress, whatever, <laughs> um, very LA person, Belle, um, and they become very good friends. And Belle has a huge crush on Ren, but she thinks he would never be interested in her. So Phoebe offers to help Belle win Ren's heart with some love letters using her skills as a copywriter. Uh, and what follows is a, to quote the Times of London, um, a Cyrano style caper um with shenanigans shenanigans <laughs> yeah. afoot yeah so after I can't tell you anything else without just telling you the whole story but that's the setup 
lots of shenanigans afoot and I'm also so many so many phrase love it and um, so let's start by talking about our wonderful heroine Phoebe and I kind of feel for Phoebe because she's clearly a catch but she's got such low self-esteem issues and will go out of her way to set up Belle and Wren and help everybody else but she's clearly interested in Wren and who wouldn't be he's absolutely yeah, kind of perfect yeah. I'm I'm interested <laughs> in Wren character um why what what is it that's where does this come from why is it that she thinks that she doesn't deserve to be happy with somebody that she clearly has a connection with and is putting somebody else's needs and yeah. wants before her own yeah you totally hit the nail on the head the the, the idea of this story sort of where it all came together was that Cyrano story um so obviously the original idea of Cyrano is it's this guy who has a big nose and he's in love with his cousin but we'll skip over the fact she's his cousin <laughs> but he thinks she's too hot and she would never be interested in it because he has a big nose so he helps his friend who is this other super hot guy who just doesn't know how to talk to her get together with her by writing love letters um which is great and you know I love the original story and I've seen, you know, the Steve Martin version, the film Roxanne, like I loved that when I was younger um, and I watched it and I just thought it's so messed up that the reason he thinks he's not good enough is because he's got a big nose. Um, and then it just really started to bother me that as women, we so often believe we're not good enough and it doesn't take what you consider to be a physical deformity, she says in inverted commas, because he's just got big nose. But in the day, you know, that was a physical deformity. Um, and, and I just thought about all the things we do to ourselves and all of the damage that we let other people do to us that we, we don't need to have as, as a group of people, very often don't need to have something as substantive as a physical yeah. issue to feel like we're not worth it. Um, so I just wanted to take that idea and flip it and see what happened when you put a woman in that position. Yeah. Um, and it really just all came together once I got that part of it. Yeah. Exactly, and it's almost like for for Phoebe as well as you know insecurities about her looks it, it a lot of her insecurities also come from just being treated like shit in past relationships yeah. which yeah. I think a lot of women have experienced you know being told I've got a friend who recently was dumped by her boyfriend because he was he told her he wasn't sexually attracted to her anymore <gasps> that's, that's nice yeah not needed at all and like that's just gone on to really affect herself yeah. now in a way that it really didn't need to be said at all and I think that's one of um Phoebe's not downfalls but you know you can you really feel for her because she's allowed somebody else's opinions of her really mm -hmm. affect how she approaches yeah she's a real sponge and I think it's it was interesting for me to write her and her sister in the book as well because her sister's a major character and the way that obviously they both reacted to their upbringing as well yeah. and we find out really early on that their parents were divorced her dad really wasn't on the scene they were really close to their nan who's recently passed away relatively recently passed away um and it's like her, her older sister sort of developed this avoidance style of just yeah. disconnecting from everything whereas Phoebe has gone the other way she sort of sucks everything in um, and I think that's always really interesting in friend groups and families and stuff when you see that you know it's like mm. me and my brother are very similar you know I, I'm the idiot that just believes everything I'm told constantly all the time and he's just like stop it stop it no nope. 
Um, so I really loved writing that because like you say, I've just got so many friends and I mean myself as well, I've experienced it where you just, all it takes, like you said, is that one thing. So you're like, oh, I'm just not sexually attracted to you. You're a great girl. Like you're incredible. You're yeah. funny. You're intelligent, whatever. I remember an ex telling me that I, he wanted to go out with his friends when we were supposed to be doing something. And he was like, oh, it's just, it's not that like, you're not fun, but you're like going to the supermarket fun. <laughs> and I just, I didn't know what to do with that. Just, you know, it's just like, you're like everyday fun. I want to go out and just like have fun with my mates. And I, I took it to heart so badly. Of for course, years, because I was you... like chaos agent like, in response to that. I'm like, I'll show you supermarket fun. <laughs> um, yeah, it was bad. bad. And also supermarket sweep is one of the most fun things you could ever do. Who doesn't <laughs> enjoy the big shop? Do you know, at the time I was furious. Because like, firstly, you're wrong, sir. And secondly, there's nothing more entertaining when you're in your early 20s yeah. and have no money than the big shop. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I was, I was quite upset. As you can tell, 15 years later, I'm definitely not carrying that round. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, you've just reminded me that once when I was in a relationship, I chose doing the big shop with my mum over a date because I was like, now, nah, doing the big shop with my mum means that I'm just going to be able to fit everything in the trolley. I literally chose that over a date. So I would I would always go for supermarket fun. You did the right thing. <laughs> you made the right choice. You know, time has clearly shown that you were correct. Yeah. In that <laughs> well yeah I guess I guess it must have just been like so easy to write a character like this because so many women have you know these hang-ups and I, it's maybe I am generalizing but I do feel like you know at least like watching Love Island or just generally yeah, sometimes yeah. like a, a male author will slide into our dms to be like hi read my book it's amazing and the women will slide yeah. in and be like I'd really love if you had the time to read our books <laughs> like yeah no worries even- even that difference, you know. So no, it, it, it is so true. It's 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 brutal. Like it's genuinely brutal. And I it, we're just. I really hope things are changing. Like I see everything going on with the younger generation that's just coming up now, and I'm like a big yeah. TikToker. Like I just love to watch TikTok and absorb it, which is probably also not <laughs> that good for me. But I just want to see what's going on. And I think compared to what we were shown in the 90s and 2000s, like what was held up as perfection for us, idealism, yeah. and like you know, there's been so much. Um, throwback lately to 90s beauty standards yeah. and 2000s beauty standards it's like there's no fucking wonder is it yeah. <laughs> we like are walking around we're like well I'm a trash bag um, <laughs> maybe someone will be nice enough to look look at me and I will be grateful yeah um, yeah whereas most of the guys I know even if they have internalized some of that they're like oh yeah like, it's, they're not carrying it around on their back every yeah. day the way that yeah. we do definitely um, and actually on on you know beauty standards I really love that Belle is like clearly like a gorgeous character to look at but that she was also really kind because I think so often that like beautiful women are written to then be a bitch so thanks for making her lovely yeah no it's it's true but it that's again that's something that I I'm so aware of in my books and definitely something that's changed over time because yeah like in the 2000s that's what you were told a rom-com was supposed to be, wasn't it? It's like homely girl overcomes hot girl who's clearly a bitch or thick or like (laughs) something awful about her that it was them set up against each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just sort of wanted to say, what if it wasn't that? (laughs) Like, What if we didn't pit the girls against each other? Exactly. Um, And what I loved about their friendship was, you know, Belle was undeniably beautiful and she's aware that she's beautiful phoebe has a lot of insecurities about about her 
appearance but they are ultimately both insecure women so Mm -hmm. there is no winner there is like in that scenario like I think a lot of women regardless of what you look like or what your personality is these insecurities and these hang-ups do override a lot of your um your self-belief and your self-worth yeah totally and the only woman in the book that doesn't have that is the 82 year old <laughs> retired movie star murder who as we know because we hear this all the time from people older than us and we just don't listen until it's too late that the older you get you don't give a fuck yeah. then in her 80s she's like I have no time for this and you are being stupid um and that's why we love her Phoebe's other friend that she makes during the book who is my favorite character in the whole thing she was magic to write and it- mine Thank you. I, you've it's brought me on to Myrna because so I was dying to talk about her. <laughs> yeah, she's just a star. She just lets you say all the things that you want to believe because you yeah. know it's true. You know yeah. everything she says is right, but you've still got to figure it out for yourself. So we should all be more Myrna. That's we should definitely <laughs> be more Myrna. She gave me um, Evelyn Hugo vibes. If you've read Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, totally. like yeah. so wise because she's seen so much and done so much, but also. Yeah. Um, Eli from the film The Holiday. Oh yeah. Like just in the fact that like there's this really amazing neighbor that no one has cared to talk to <laughs> until now. And actually, if you just knocked yeah. on their door, you'd find this amazing person behind it. Yeah, she was definitely there was definitely some Evelyn Hugo in there and um spliced with a bit of Lucille Bluth. As, you know, you can you can't have too much <laughs> Jessica Walter in, in a human being. With that sharp tongue. She's always got to come back. <laughs> um but yeah, she was just like an absolute joy to write because she just she doesn't care at all. She's like, there is no time yeah. to give fucks, even if I had them. She has no time <laughs> left. You know, she's like, why would I waste any energy on anything other than doing exactly what I want to do mm-hmm. 24 hours a day? Um, she's the greatest. Be more manner. Um, your book as well, it does feel a bit like a love letter to LA, which is, I think, where you live now, right? It is, yes. And did you grow up then in the UK? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm from Doncaster originally, um, and I lived uh, in a little mining village uh, in South Yorkshire until uni, and then I went to Nottingham Trent University, and then I moved down to London um, for work, and I moved to New York um, when I was 28, uh, and did a few years in New York, and then eventually moved over to LA, which is where my now husband is, which was very selfish of him, because that was quite far away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's how I ended up in LA. I love that. And do you prefer writing books that are set in LA or the UK? This one was a bit of a hybrid. Like you, she's on, yeah. she's on from the UK. Yeah, she? she is. It's hard because I love writing books that are set in the UK because it, it. I feel like I get to go home, you mm. know. And especially during lockdown when I couldn't leave LA, you know, I couldn't leave yeah. for eighteen months, um, longer than that. Um, writing books set in the UK was it really helped because it it does transport you you know like reading a great book transports you writing a book is the same thing you're just away um but there was something about I just knew this story was in LA um from the start it just sort of made sense I don't know why I don't know why Uh, (laughs) it's just one of those things but I owed I owed LA uh, because I had written a book set in LA before in the I Heart series Mm -hmm. um and I wrote that before I lived there I'd only been there once or twice and I was not a fan um and now I live there and I I was unkind so I owed it an apology so it's got one um and this book was really about the LA where I live like not the LA you might see 
on yes. TV, but where I am and, and how it really is to live there on its best day. Yes. <laughs> and, and when I was reading, actually, I went to LA probably like 10 years ago. And when I was reading it, it really did transport me back. But there was also a side to it where I thought, this isn't the LA that I saw. I want to go to this LA and go on these amazing hikes and to these and have brunch. Is <laughs> brunch is vital. Brunch at Little Dom's is vital. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if anyone wants to live vicariously, um, then this book is for you. Or if you're planning a trip to LA, then it's almost it's research. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's definitely like I chose the things that. Um, I mean, A, my favorite things to do, but also like a lot of the things that we do when people come to visit. Like, yeah. it's, these are the things we do. Like we'll walk up to the observatory, we'll go to a Dodgers game if if um, baseball season is in. If, if they feel up to it, we'll hike. <laughs> Which I should say I haven't done in a couple of years because I, I have not like, wanted to get up early and do that. Um, I've been a bit of a bell in that situation. But yeah, there's just so many beautiful things that about LA that you just wouldn't know it's such a strange city it's so yeah. I mean you know you've been there it's so spread out um before Uber you really couldn't get around um such an odd place but you just have to find its secret little pockets hmm. yeah. yeah well speaking of UK versus well LA um I really love reading the Christmas wish last Christmas oh, and I just want to say thanks so much for setting that in the UK because I've done I've had a few hot Christmases like I spent Christmas in Australia and Florida and Dubai and they're fab but they don't Not have the, the cozy vibes <laughs> um did it ever cross your mind to set that in a warmer place or was it always no. going to be a UK Christmas, Christmas wish was always cozy cozy Christmas yeah it had to be it just had to be um we when I came over to England with my husband the first time we came over together um, my family are still sort of all around South Yorkshire area um, and we used to go to Chatsworth House when I was a little kid so I knew I wanted to take him there because like he is classic American just like <laughs> loves very English things yeah or anything older than 200 years to him is ancient so he's like <laughs> oh my god so like right I'm gonna history you to death sir um, so we stayed really near Chatsworth House and sort of went to Haddon Hall and all of those historical places beautiful places um and I, I as soon as we'd done that I was like oh my god it needs why have we not written a Christmas story about this little tiny gorgeous village that is just begging for one um yeah so I always knew Christmas was had to be cozy little family mad family mad family <laughs> yeah <laughs> um well, seeing as this is now just turned into a travel podcast, let's delve <laughs> that a little bit more um, and talk about your iHeart series, which, well, the books are set in New York, Hollywood, Paris, Vegas, London, and I think Hawaii. Good work. Very impressive. Yeah, I thought you beat me there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My first question is, the most important, obviously, is did you have to visit each of those places and do a bit of a recce? To Sadly, tragically for me, I did. Mm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was a heartbreak. Yes. But someone could you expense them? <laughs> do you know uh, you'd have to take that up with my accountant? Um, <laughs> but by and large, yes, um, <laughs> which was nice. Amazing. Um, it depends which state of you know, to get into American taxes. We'll do a whole other episode. <laughs> it depends which state you're in and how much you can get away with um, with regards to what is research and what they think you're taking the piss. Mm. Um, but when I was in New York, you couldn't expense anything. Was the short version. <laughs> California's yeah. like, come and be here. Like you're an entertainer. We love you. I'm like, yes, I am. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, New York 
I Heart New York was my first book and that was I was living in London going out with a person who said I was boring supermarket fun uh, like living in the house that we just bought I'm miserable in my job and um just hated everything I was like so unhappy you know and you're just like I don't know how to get into this I'm in my early 20s I've dug myself into this rut mm. and I don't see a way out of it this is just yeah. my life now um and I had to go to New York for work which was a totally weird thing <clears throat> sorry um my boss had an accident she was fine like but tripped a couple of days before she was supposed to take this work trip to New York and hurt her ankle and couldn't go and they sent me instead I had no idea what I was doing I'd never been um I had no money I didn't have a company card in because they couldn't set me up I literally had this like swanky hotel room in midtown and like nothing else and I just got there and was like wow okay um and I had four days just ambling around New York figuring stuff out and I just fell in love with it immediately I was like I, I don't want to leave I just feel at home it just felt incredible um oh. I met some people from my company that I worked for in the New York office and in fact we had weird things in common like our grandparents from the same part of the UK and mm -hmm. she's been where I'm from like for the summers and stuff and I was like it's meant to be it's meant to be like this is how it's like this is how a love story is supposed to feel like yeah. I feel like that about a city um and as soon as I came back I was like I just I just want to be there um and that's I started writing the book like, it was my first book um and I was just so unhappy I was like what if I wrote a version of life that wasn't unhappy what if I could do anything what would I do and that was how that book came about um oh my god and then yeah it was wild and then sort of stayed in touch with those friends in New York and I eventually managed to get a transfer from my job over to the New York office so I moved out there about a month after I Heart New York came out so it was oh. one of those really weird things yeah a lot of people I think think I wrote it after I moved but it was actually before yeah. which was weird so weird um and jokes on the yeah. guy. Yeah. Joke is on him. <laughs> it really is. Oh, I hope he's having a lovely day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he is. Um, I don't know. If he needs any help with the big shop, I'm always down. You know? <laughs> so, no hard feelings. <laughs> yeah, he didn't come with me, strangely enough. <laughs> yeah, funny that. Um, so how different is it writing a, a standalone book to writing a series that you've obviously become really well known for as well do you have a preference and do you intention did was the intention of writing I Heart New York intentionally to be a series or yeah. it just naturally came about in, I mean in the very beginning it wasn't intended for anything other than me um I never thought I would I, w I was working in publishing I was a children's book right. editor um and I worked in film and TV tie-ins so we were doing like sticker books for Shrek um, so I was book adjacent they were books but Jeremy you know I mean? they, they weren't real yeah. books she says in inverted commas according to the publishers um and we would go into all these meetings and I would see books coming in to acquisitions meetings and getting turned away that I thought were incredible right. um and then books that were dreadful that we bought that bombed and then books that were dreadful that we bought that flew and you're just like oh my god there's no <laughs> there's no sense in this industry yeah. I'm don't I'll stay an editor like this is better um but then I wrote this I Heart New York and one of my friends was reading it she was staying with us so she was reading it as I was writing it and she's like you know I've read worse you should try <laughs> I was like oh thanks um so I I never really intended it to be anything other than just for me and then but then once I had finished it and my friend said she didn't hate it um, <laughs> which was high praise yeah. I was like well what if like I did carry on and 
the ending was definitely there to to continue it mm. um so when i took it out to pitch it to agents um i i put it together as a three book um pitch for um hollywood and paris so it was okay. new york hollywood and paris from the very beginning yeah um with a potential to go on further but i I don't know. I, I love series. Like I grew up reading Sweet Valley High and was like obsessed. Like I always wanted the next one, you know, and yeah. Virginia Andrews, like I wanted the next one. Um, so I loved that idea of series. And there is something really comforting in that because you're going back to characters that yeah. you know and you get to sort of see their life develop. Like she says like they're real people, but they feel real. Yeah. They are. Um, right. So, so there's that aspect of it that's really nice, but it is also difficult because you have got into a place where they are real to you and to other people so you can't have them do anything mm. that they wouldn't do because people will come for you and you can't <laughs> hurt them or break them up or anything like that um so on that side it's more difficult because you just become constrained by it right okay um so and that's when you're like oh I want to write a standalone so I can be free yeah. and then yeah. you realize you've got to start all over again with character and world building <laughs> and that is really hard um, yeah. so there are ups and downs to both uh you know it depends on the day but yeah. I loved writing the iHeart series it was oh it was just so special yeah it is magical um and actually your your point there about you know a series that's a romance series people are very invested in these characters versus standalone you know your your backlist is huge and is predominantly romance so what is it about romance books that you love yeah it's changed over the years um because I definitely never would have guessed that this is what I would do. Oh. Um, I was such a little indie snob. <laughs> I all through uni, I was like, I'm reading my Britney Spears, leave me alone. I'm so literary. Um, I was hateful. Um, and, I, and I read sort of mostly literary fiction through my 20s as well. And then I just don't know. It was that I came back from that trip from New York and I was like, I just, that's what came out. I was so unhappy. I just wanted an alternate life for myself. Mm. Um, and that's what came out. And then I I just loved it so much. And I take so much joy in writing something that puts joy out there. You know, I think for a long time, I was definitely someone who thought, oh, I have to write something worthy and you've got to write the next great American novel. And I was embarrassed to tell people I wrote romances like in the 2000s and the 2010s. It was not okay. Like you were definitely yeah. sneered at um, in publishing you know in the actual didn't have many author friends because there weren't many women or people in general writing romance at that time it's sort of the pool really thinned out so and I was living in the states where it was definitely not cool like I was living in New York you could not wander into a date in Brooklyn and be like hi I'm a romance novel they mm -hmm. would and I did and it did go badly so <laughs> I know that for a fact um, on several <laughs> occasions um so yeah it, it it was hard. It was really hard. It took me a really long time to sort of feel really good about it. Um, but I do now. Um, but like we were saying before about body image and beauty standards and stuff, like that definitely comes through in some of the earlier books, like, because that's what I was living with. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. there's a lot of talk of, you know, Angela feeling fat and Angela feeling gross and all of that stuff. And it's like, you, you wouldn't put that in a book now because I don't want women to feel that way. So I would never put that in a book. But the fact that is in the earlier books, because that's what we were experiencing and living with. Yeah. Um, so now I just, I'm so grateful to have an opportunity to sort of, it's that Shit's Creek thing where I'm like, I want to show the world how I wish the world was. Yeah. 
the more we see it, maybe we'll it'll be more that, you know? Exactly. It's we're fighting an uphill battle, I know, but <laughs> just like <laughs> my little tiny corner is is a good place to be. It's like I, I want to show people healthy relationships and what they look like. Yeah. Like, I want to show women asking for what they want and getting it or not getting it, but still having asked for it. But you know? doing it anyways. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there's something so comforting about reading a romance novel. I mean, I know I personally during the lockdown was drawn to romance novels more so than yeah. usually because the world was filled with totally, yeah. fear and uncertainty and the luxury of picking up a romance novel, you know, you know where it's going to end when you start, yeah, but exactly. you're not reading it because you don't know how it's going to end. You're reading it for the the feelings that you're going to get of yeah. those wholesome feelings of the journey along the way. And there's something so comforting about that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I just, it's the same thing as someone much cleverer than me said this and I can't remember who so I've just stolen it over the years but it's the same thing as like watching a Marvel movie or a James Bond movie like you know what's going to happen it's yeah. just how you're going to get there yeah. um and then when you think about the James Bond movies where you didn't know that was going to happen didn't go down very well <laughs> so you know it's like there is a formula to it like you say but there is a comfort in it there's a comfort yeah. in that formula and you know people will sometimes review my books and be like oh it was so predictable I knew exactly what was going to happen I'm like well, yeah, you knew on the last page what was going to happen, but you didn't know yeah. everything that was going to happen on the way there. And if you did, good for you. Like, you're <laughs> yeah. really clever and you must be in my brain. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. Congrats. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I just don't understand. I don't get the negativity around romance ever from anyone. Yeah. Like, why would you be mad at people reading a story that makes them happy about positive things? Like, yeah. what? Like you, you're okay with people reading about a woman getting killed in a fridge, like constantly. That's cool. Or dragons, like that's cool. But oh my god, you want to read about a happy relationship between two consenting adults? <laughs> Weirdo. Wild. <laughs> I think that's what you know. The genre chick lit more generally does get a, a, a huge amount of stick for because it's a genre yeah. for women predominantly. Yeah. How and dare it, we? How yeah, dare we? Exactly. <laughs> Um, but that is again another topic entirely. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll save it for another day. Um, but your first book was published over a decade ago now. What sort of trends have you seen over that time in the publishing industry, and are they always for the better? Oh God, it's been chaos. Um, um, I Heart New York came out in two thousand and nine. Uh, it's so weird. People will be like, "So, Lindsay, you're a veteran author." I'm like, "Shut up." <laughs> um, it's such a weird thing but I, I guess that is true it's been a while um yeah I came in sort of right at the end of that chiclet boom so um I mean and I wasn't reading it that was the weirdest thing so all your shopaholics and stuff like that yeah I wasn't reading it at all because I was working in publishing and I was just like oh I'm so cool I'm gonna read the curious incident of dog of nighttime and that's it <laughs> um so we came in sort of right then and then it just bottomed out like it just vanished chiclet just disappeared um after a couple of years um and I was really really lucky and that a I had a series so people were invested in that series and also like people that read my books have just seemed to really like reading them and they have stuck with it which has been amazing so I've been able to keep my career going and a lot of people haven't like a lot of yeah. other authors have had to either they've either tapped out it was just too frustrating or they've shifted so you've got sort of your, your Lisa Jules and your Adele Parks um I'm doing an event with Adele um on the 20 20th um in Reading 
Um, and I'm so excited to sit down and talk to her because Adele started out writing rom-coms and now she's obviously writing thrillers. Yeah. Um, and I find that fascinating that she's had massive success doing both things. Um, and definitely sort of, we had the Gone Girl vibe, like after Chicklets. Yeah. yeah. There, was a, there was a bump when people thought we were all going to be reading Game of Thrones forever. But then people realised how long that was. <laughs> and they went. Um, but then sort of thrillers, crime thrillers yeah. came in and just ran away with it just crazy um and then everyone was like have you thought about writing a crime thriller i'm like no because <laughs> honestly i've watched every episode of svu and it's not for me like <laughs> i'll watch it and i'll read it but i can't write it i would be there cracking jokes do you know what i mean like yeah. no one wants that <laughs> no one wants a, a chuckles mcgee Lindsay kelp crime thriller um, i do i do i'd read it <laughs> <laughs> under, the, under the name chuckles mcgee um yeah so it, it there was a big shift and then like you say it was it was lockdown um romance just came back like with a vengeance and it had never gone away but it wasn't up there people you know we weren't you weren't seeing any little big deals being done for romance yeah. authors you weren't seeing the adaptations being done anymore for movies yeah um it had all gone very quiet and then Gen Z came in hard during lockdown because they couldn't go out and do these things themselves so like I'm gonna read about it um and we had this new wave and the next generation came through the Emily Henry's the Ali Hazelwoods like just amazing women and also to see it come in so strongly from the states whereas Chicklet had been so predominantly UK it was something that never really hit in the US and when I moved to the US they they published my books as like commercial fiction. They had like really cool photographic covers because in the US you were either romance, which was sort of your Mills and Boone Harlequin, or you were commercial fiction. They really didn't have a middle ground. Um, so for the romance boom that's out there now to have just dominated the industry is amazing. And I do like to go in and just sort of flick my hair around and be like, oh, look at that big table. Look at that big table full of books by women. Like, are they selling well, are they? Are they at the front? Um, yeah, so it's just insane now. It's crazy. They're just destroying the charts. Like, it's so good to see it. It, it feels very good. Yeah, <laughs> and you're known. up there with them. That's, that's amazing. I mean, it's nice to still be in the conversation because like you say, it's been a minute and some of them are very young and I'm like, oh, hello. I'm old Nana Lindsay and I have come with some advice. Um, but they are just, everyone's great. It's such an inclusive community and everyone is so supportive. Like Christina Lauren, who was a writing duo that have been going for such a long time. And now they're having this massive, massive yeah. boom, which is amazing. And they just published a book called The True Love Experiment that was so great. Um, but their hero was British and they messaged me like, can you check that this is appropriate Britishness? And I was like, oh my God, yes. So I got to read it and sort of go through and make sure he was being appropriately British. Um, like, he wouldn't say that. Yeah, I was like, he, he wouldn't put that. the kettle on. He wouldn't like make, t you know, he'd be like, oh, I'll go boil some water. I'm like, no, he'd say he'll put the kettle on. Yeah. Um, but oh stuff like that, it's just so beautiful and collaborative and everyone helps everyone and we're all pushing for each other. Like there is infinite pie. There's pie yeah. for all. Everyone yeah, just gets is. more pie. Um, and that is, not always been that way and it is nice that it is now well yeah. I can't wait for you to reach Myrna's age and read your books then <laughs> can you imagine oh my god it's just gonna be me sat in a chair with a stick shouting at people in the front yard like, <laughs> <laughs> oh so we, we are coming to the end now and we always end with a bookish question but I actually want to 
ask you something else first. So um, me and Lauren are big skincare junkies and you oh, have excellent. a beauty podcast called Full Coverage with makeup artist Harriet Hadfield. And so before we ask you for book recos, we'd love to hear your beauty recos. So what are your current top three favorite products at the moment? I am currently glowing through you this are. screen because it is quite warm in here, <laughs> but also because I did... I did do a bit of skincare for you before I started. Um, I mix it up because everything's high end is so stressful and we're not all made of money. But I did do the BioEffect, the BioEffect under eye serum and the eye patches over the top because I looked like something out that had crawled out from under the bed or something. (laughs) So they are amazing. Anything from BioEffect is amazing. It is not an inexpensive brand, but I have never had anything from them that hasn't been a complete banger. Like I've never ah. been let down by it. Okay, solid. Um, but then the other thing, which I think is the glow, she's <laughs> looking at herself, the <laughs> new um, glow sunscreen. I think it's called Woe Glow, but it's a new primer from Elf. Um, oh, okay. And it is sort of a combination of the Charlotte Tilbury Flawless Filter and an SPF. Uh, I think it's okay. SPF 30. And the glow is amazing. Yeah, and you can just do that. Um, on summer skin, I've got a little bit of foundation over the top because it's a little bit warm for me because I'm very pale. Um, but on just non-Wednesday Adam skin, like it is stunning and it is so inexpensive. Everything Elf is doing right now, honestly, is just okay. crazy good. So good. Offensively yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm making, making it right. <laughs> It's I really, really more. great. One more, go oh on. God, um, what else have I been? Oh, I'm so obsessed with so many things. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think about what's in the bathroom because I was really, really limited as to what I brought. I was so good that I stopped myself from bringing everything in the world. Um, I have all, I since it came out, I've been a devotee of Elemis Cleansing Balm. Yeah. Uh, I am, I remember I came on a book tour and I was meeting with the PR and my skin was really irritated and she said oh, I've got something for you but we've only got like a lab sample so it's not in the original pack it's not in the final packaging but just put this on as like a mask and then wash it off with a hot washcloth and it was the cleansing balm and I've been using it every day since like I've tried everything else it's still my first cleanse yeah. every night obsessed with it you feel so, so fancy when you use it so it's like you're in yeah. the spa it yeah. smells incredible <laughs> even now after 10 years I'm still like holding my hands over my face to breathe it in yeah. after I use it <laughs> So like anytime it's on sale sleep. anywhere, I'm stocking, stocking up. up. Yeah. yeah, so good. Yeah. Well, thank you. We'll put those in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> really thank important, you. really important stuff. Essential. Um, and finally, please, could you leave our listeners with a book record? It could be a book you've read recently and you've loved or an oldie and a goodie. Right, she says, pulling up um, <laughs> a list of things that she's read because I am the worst book rememberer. I am too, and I I have a book podcast. So (laughs) it's hard, isn't it? Well, yeah, I was like skincare, skincare. (laughs) Um, My favorite book that I've read this year, and I have mentioned it before, but on the off chance anyone hasn't read it, I am going to be forced to take them out to the bookshop to buy it right now. I will hold your hand. I will hold you while you open up your app. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, get it bought. I'm obsessed with Juno Dawson. Yeah. I'm obsessed with Shadow Cabinet. Um, yeah. obviously read Her Majesty's Royal Carbon first but Shadow Cabinet I've waited a year for that book <laughs> and I was like how could it be as good and then I was ready to throw it across the room I'm like oh my god how is she doing this <laughs> um, it's incredible like the writing is masterful she packs in so much 
yeah. and it is so it's done with such a light touch you don't even realize how much is in there until it's all happened yeah I, it, and it's still funny and it's so readable and it's such a page turner it never feels dense yeah it's just amazing I think she's an incredible writer yeah obsessed in non-fiction and fiction she just I slays. know how dare she and she's <laughs> and she's got a podcast about sex and the city yeah it's like oh like, stop it <laughs> I want to be you amazing, yeah everything I know she knows that so it's, this won't be as weird as it could be uh, <laughs> but uh yeah I just think she's amazing she's just like a stellar human who mm-hmm. everything she touches turns to gold I'm like pack it in leave something <laughs> for the rest of us woman um yeah I love her well thank you so much Lindsay it's been an absolute joy talking to you today um your book comes out on the 20th of July in the UK and this podcast episode goes out next week so you'll be on your tour so if listeners are in you're all over the UK so worth just having a bit of a google and finding out where you are if you want to go along and listen to Lindsay in person and maybe buy a copy of your book and get it signed yeah I mean go nuts treat yourself (laughs) I'll be there it'll be fun Um, yeah tour events are always really really fun Um, I'm hanging out with some amazing authors so uh, definitely pop along if you can thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed today's episode then like subscribe leave a rating review it costs you nothing but it genuinely means the world and make sure you share our podcast with your reading buddy because they might like to listen too. And if you don't already, then follow us on Instagram at Book Recos for, funnily enough, more book recommendations.